Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm so excited to be here today. I have a rock star of an athlete and human being in the house, the Matt Brown. I'm going to read his bio really quick and then we'll get him on the mic. But this is a, this conversation is a long time coming. We're going to talk about uh, second chances, resilience today. And this dude's done it all. So without further ado, I'm welcoming UFC legend Matt, the immortal Brown, who is currently tied for the most knockouts 12 in UFC history and holds a record for most finishes, knockouts and fights in UFC welterweight history. He is or was a contestant on the Ultimate Fighter season seven as and has dedicated his life to the pursuit of martial arts and fitness in his early 20s matt survived a heroin overdose and many other near-death experiences all of this along with his fighting reputation led his friends dubbing him with his eventual fighter nickname the immortal matt welcome to turmeric and tequila 13 knockouts i was gonna say i was wondering if this was updated um my bad 13 knockouts we can't leave that one hanging yeah actually uh i think 14 14? Yeah. I don't know, I'm tied for the record. I think it's 14 now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And I can't, well, keep, I can't keep track. I, I, I knock out too many people. Well, you and me both, I guess. Holy cow. That I, I don't exist very well in the in the fighting space. In fact, Matt and I crossed paths. Um, we were doing some business together for another client, and he was a phenomenal ambassador. I'm always lucky to get th- to work with some of the best humans when I'm working with different marketing companies. Um, but this dude was super humble and stood out. I've worked with thousands of people. Uh, more on the human side than the athlete side. And I know it's hard to believe because you've accomplished so many great things, but I'm excited today to talk about the life journey, the fitness journey. Um, and then, you know, kind of how you've just overcome so much, but how now all the impact you're doing, especially with your fight school and what you're doing for the kiddos. So before we go, I'll, I'll inundate you with all the questions. Tell us about young Matt. Oh, like how young? I mean, however young you want to go, <laughs> would, would you kind of think like the journey really started for you? Well, I was a very good kid when I was really young. I was the hallmark child, what every uh, mother would love to have for a child. And I think I was a smart kid. I grew up in a machine shop, actually. My dad owned a machine shop, so I kind of grew up in there working on things. Very, very small town population. Last I checked on Wikipedia, was 200. So wow. when I was growing up, it was probably 100 or whatever. A very, very small town. And, you know, rode dirt bikes, went fishing and got in a lot of trouble. But, you know, we're, I was a really, really good kid. You know, like when I say get in trouble, like, you know, mom would say be home before the streetlights come on and I'd yeah. come home a little late, you know, like things like that. But the good old days. Was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was a very, very um, good kid and <clears throat> grew up very, you know, traditional, conservative, old school style, um, you know, got spanked and dinner was ready every night and ate lots of biscuits and gravies for breakfast. Um, nice. And then I did, around the time I was like a teenager, I kind of started just really disliking uh, the um, the path of everyone around me and kind of where I seen where this was going. Um, I always felt like I was just meant for bigger things, uh, but I didn't necessarily see a path out of that. And I felt like everyone around me 
Um, I, I guess I didn't really feel at the time, but looking back, like everybody around me was kind of holding me back. Like, you know, this you're, yeah. you're in a small town. This is what you do. Like, you know, stop dreaming so big, stop thinking of all this other shit. And um, I think that kind of negativity kind of led me down. And a lot of people also don't realize how much alcohol and drugs are in these small towns. You know, they look so quaint and sweet from the outside, but on the inside, like, you know, there's a, a lot of, losers in there i guess you'd say yeah. and yeah uh and you know so i just i decided that was my path for a while and kind of quit doing sports around i was always a star athlete you know a star in a you know a pool of 10 other kids <laughs> you know, but, we'll take it we'll take it <laughs> yeah but i did well and um like i said i just wanted more than that but that negativity kind of led me towards um, alcohol and partying and um, being the extreme person that I was then maybe still am to some extent it just went to the extreme you know I, wa I wasn't necessarily like a bad kid even though I was hanging around uh, around all the bad people I didn't necessarily fit in with them either um, but it took me down the wrong path ended up going to jail a bunch of times and going uh, uh drugs alcohol partying eventually overdosing and then eventually found the martial arts and said fuck that this is what i like and never looked yeah. back do you think i and i read in doing some of this research uh you said overdosing was one of the best things that ever happened to you do you yeah. think that was like the pivotal thing that you needed? Because a lot of bad things happen, like really intense thing to people, but they don't have the wherewithal or the pull or the spirituality or something to like make the the right step in the right direction. If that was the breakdown and breakthrough, what what was it really that was that just what, what provided that clarity to push you in that right direction? You know, that wasn't actually the pivotal moment. Okay. I didn't actually think it was that big of a deal. Like I was just kind of embarrassed, you know, like I didn't really yeah. want to tell anyone, um, you know, I was like very ashamed, you know, um, for, from even the small amount of people that was around at the time. And it, it was ju just embarrassing, you know, more than anything, but it wasn't like something profound that hit me then. Like, like, Oh, I'm never doing that again. You know, instead it was more like, okay, I'm never doing heroin again, but, like cocaine's all right, right? Right, right. So, so it wasn't, you know, I wasn't a very smart street kid, right? So, um, so yeah, so, you know, that, that wasn't really uh, pivotal for me. The pivotal moment was when I walked in a martial arts gym. Okay. That that was it, you know. Before that, it was, you know, I, I kind of knew that, that the path that I was on wasn't me, but I didn't know a different path either. You know, I'd work mm -hmm. in, you know, work some job or something, like knowing – like I'm just trying to get a paycheck or this is garbage, you know? And, yeah. Or so, and again, until I walked into a martial arts gym, like nothing else really did it for me. That's amazing. I, I will clearly I'm an advocate for sports and fitness. And I was, I attribute, uh, I had three younger brothers. So we actually watched you at some point on the reality show, ultimate fighter. And it's funny how universe works and certain things flip through, but um I, I remember watching that show and being like, that was kind of my first exposure to what mixed martial arts and MMA w was. Like my brothers did like karate growing up. I didn't do that. I did almost everything else they did, but I didn't really get it. Did you have exposure to MMA and fighting or anything growing up? Or was this like brand new when you saw sure. it? No. Uh, I mean, I got a lot of fights growing up. Mm -hmm. um, just because like in like a small town like that, like everybody fights. Like yeah. It's like Lord of the Flies. Like we're trying to figure out who's the dominant <laughs> You know, there's like, there's a, 
there's a battle for hierarchy every day in a small town like that. You know, again, you're just trying to be the big fish in that small pond, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I actually, I wanted to be a part of all those things uh, growing up. Um, but he, I wanted to do karate or judo or whatever. And um, again, coming from a very, very traditionally conservative family, they were like, like, no, that's the evil stuff. Like, <laughs> you don't need that stuff. You know, it's it's bad for you. You know, things like that. Like, you just, you need to go to church and work a job and, you know, bail hay. Yeah. You're going to be fine. The dream. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, exactly. Right. That's the whole thing. It's like, like, yeah, like, I, like, that's what I'm dreaming, mom. Come on. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So how does the family feel about all this now? Like, fast forward X amount of years, the success, the ride, all of it. Like, how are they in... What's the opinion now? Well, my dad passed away in uh, 2009. So he only got to see the beginning. I got on the, the Ultimate Fighter in 2008. So he only got to see the beginning. Um, but before that, um, he was happy that um, I was finally doing something that he could be proud of, right? And yeah. then I was doing something um, to keep me out of trouble and something like I had direction in my life. Like he was glad to see that. Obviously, like when he was growing up, it, it, there wasn't like a uh, UFC around or anything. So he didn't, you know, there was no opportunity for that. My mom never has been a promoter of it and she still is not. <laughs> and yeah. She still asks me all the time, like, when are you going to retire? When are you going to quit <laughs> doing this? Like, you're going to die in there someday, you know? So, but she has come to fights and, and she, um, you know, she just doesn't like to talk about it a lot. She's, you know, it's kind of like, that's what my one crazy son does, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I asked this specifically because I think it's so funny. We can come from our families and be of the same DNA and yet still be so different. And, mm. and then be calling and, and kind of, uh, you know, thankfully nowadays there's more conversations and there's tools to have those conversations, but family's always hard. And mm. I think in such a divided society, we can always bond over wherever you come from, whatever you believe family is tough yeah. and we all navigate that differently. But I think it's important for us as individuals to appreciate family, but then go back to understanding that we truly are in individuals and we have different motivators we have different callings we have different purposes and i think it's hard as a young person to understand that especially if what you're about to do doesn't exist yet it's not even in the mix yeah. much of what i do right now was, was never a thing uh, but i knew i didn't want to do the path that was in front of me so i really identify with your saying just yeah. in a different capacity but i think you're <laughs> such a perfect role model of it might not even be there yet but you have to keep moving forward and i honestly think even the fighting like kind of prepared you in some capacity for this you know larger journey ahead would you agree with that absolutely yeah and to your point uh it, that it's interesting because like my family is so diverse actually uh my older brother is a lawyer and uh um works for a lot of like republicans my younger brother is an artist and he lived in la for a long time and he's the most liberal person that i've ever oh met my gosh yes and i'm like in the middle and i'm a fighter <laughs> god bless <laughs> and, your parents <laughs> yeah. yeah right how so, how was family christmas not to interrupt you um, we've had some intense family Christmases. Yeah, <laughs> us too. You know, okay. I'm in the middle, just like, you know, they're very like politically driven people. Sure. And I'm always in the middle. Like, like, like you guys are like, why are you guys talking about it? Yeah. You, you're not going to like, you're not going to switch the other person's opinion. Shut the hell up. Like, yeah. So, but you know, but no, that's a great point. And, and to that point, that's the most beautiful thing. And my, one of the most beautiful things about martial arts, in my opinion, fitness, martial arts, uh, weightlifting, you know, uh, sports in general is 
when we're on those mats, when we're on the field, when we're lifting together, you can have every group, every diverse yeah. race, religion in there. And we're all in here together doing something powerfully. And we're all bonding around this thing. Yes. And so diversity, you know, is a problem out in the outside world a lot. In there, it's a great thing. We love having different people, different looks, and it brings people together. And that, to me, is one of the special things about uh, sports and um, um, uh, particularly martial arts. Because, like, I might, uh, not me, someone might hate, like, some maybe some white supremacist comes in and then he gets his ass kicked by a black dude. And he's like, oh, well. I guess you're as human as me. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. It's like we can all get along in here. Like it's, it's who comes in here the most, who puts in the most sweat, who bleeds the most. It's not about where you come from or who you are. Amen. I can, I couldn't agree with you more. And and some of my best friends have come through collegiate lacrosse and then CrossFit. You know, I, I was lucky to compete as an adult, um, air quotes on adult, but you, you, you cross people, you wouldn't cross paths with normally. And I think that one of the biggest yeah. problems in our world is just such a lack of exposure. When you have upfront close exposure to forgetting about the conversations of belief or whatever, but you get to train or work alongside or walk alongside someone different than you, you get to see them as a human. And then you have exposure to the way they walk through life. And you understand that shit's not that different. Like we're all kind of facing the same crap at the end of the day. Yeah. We all bleed the same blood, right? We all breathe yeah. the same goddamn air. And yeah, it is so frustrating, you know, when you see these people and it's like on TV or social media or whatever, you know, the hateful people or that divide, divisive people mm-hmm. and you're just like like bro get in a fucking gym man yeah. grow the hell up like like when that dude kicks your ass and taps you out and then and then uh you guys bleed and sweat together more like you guys would be best friends yeah yeah do you know and, and this is curious i've known some fighters and then i had i grew up with brothers so they're always doing the most to military uh and they didn't really get in fights but i've had uh, you know being a fitness person i'm around uh, you know other masculine i'm here to prove something men and they're kind of the ones mm-hmm. starting stuff on the outside but then my fighters are never fighting outside the gym is that like true to like the culture or like unpack that a little bit for me um that's interesting because i know some, <laughs> okay. i know some of some of both right okay um, and it depends on what you call fighting too, right? Like, like I have certain friends, like we'll kind of get after it a little bit, you know, but we're like friends after too. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but overall, I think for the most part, when, when you're a professional fighter, especially, you know, as someone at my level, I've dealt with so many body types, so many different types of people my uh, jiu-jitsu instructor for instance when i first met him he was about 140 pounds over six feet tall whoa as the biggest dork you ever seen it we used to make fun of him when we were lifting because like he was like knock kneed and you know but you know yeah i mean he was just scrawny like had you know was very socially awkward all these like just a, a nerd through and through and he'll admit it to him but then we get on the mats and this dude would fuck you up. Okay. And me too. Like he would fuck me up. You know, I, I thought I would, no, because he was just skilled, right? He put in the oh, time, gotcha. and, you know, a, a lot of mental too, though. That's what made him put in the time. Cause he got bullied in school. A lot got picked on. He's from West Virginia, you know, like, um, 
you know, so he's a unique kid. He's not uh, a hillbilly by any means. He's not a, um, um, uh, a West Virginia type that you would think at all. Right. So he got bullied a lot. So he went, he, he gravitated towards jujitsu. He learned it very well, learned it very quickly. And so when we see people like that, for instance, it's like when you're on the streets, like you don't know who you're dealing with. So like, I'm not trying to fight you. I don't know right, what I'm dealing right. with. You know what I mean? So I have a whole new respect for like humans in general, right? It's not just, just, you know, all like, uh, like you act like you're weak or whatever. So you're probably weak. Like you might have something in there that I don't know about. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so that, I think that is one of the things. And when you get humbled by like, for instance, him, like, a. uh, a six foot dweeb, you know, and, and again, he would admit, like he would tell you, I was a dweeb, right? Yeah. Um, when you get humbled by someone like that, like that's a, a shot to your ego that you're not used to taking. So we, we get it all out in the gym all the time. Like, we, you know, we get beat up by guys and um, I'll give you a good example. Like I have guys come into my gym all the time to say that they want to be professional fighters, right? Or they want to, what do I got to do to get to UFC? Right. And I uh, usually the first day I'll put him with this kid that trains at our gym who's 16 years old at this point. And I've been doing this since he was about 14 and he'll beat the hell out of him. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, now are you sure you still want to be a fighter? <laughs> like, like how's those UFC dreams looking now? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I say, you just, you don't know what you're dealing with. So yeah. Um, what percentage of humans say yes after getting whooped by the 16 year old? Do you think zero so far? Seriously? <laughs> It's, it's that big of a, I've had, like, I've had some come back. I mean, you know, okay. they'll, they'll come back and keep training or whatever. Uh, yeah. And, you know, some like have the, the wherewithal to gain respect out of that. Yeah. And have a new respect for the martial arts and, and the, the power that um, mechanical leverage and intelligence and human chess can bring. Yeah. But the, yeah. I'd say the, you know, I've had zero come after and say, say, Oh Yeah you know, I still want to fight in the UFC. <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay. yeah, it's worked out very well, actually. And, and he's a savage, savage kid too. Like I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like it. it. Yeah. Like, like uh, a, a little story about him, for instance, a uh, great kid. Uh, Ohio has one of the best wrestling states there is his second year of wrestling. He'd only wrestled for two years. This was actually uh, this past season. I say he started when he was 14, actually never wrestled before a day in his life. And he made it, he qualified for the state term of uh, the States here in Ohio, which is wow. one of the most difficult States in America. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't let him compete because they found out that he had a broken elbow in the last two matches that in districts, he should have been disqualified in districts because he literally broke his elbow and kept competing through the last two matches. Oh my God. What is this human's background? Like, is there intrinsic motivators? Like, tell me a little bit more. Uh, well, he is autistic and okay. he's, uh, you know, pretty far on the spectrum. He, he doesn't have a very good social life. He doesn't have, um, any other hobbies or anything, but martial arts is the one thing that has brought focus into his life. And when he, like I said, he started when he was 14 and he would come into the gym after school and he, at about four o'clock and he would stay till closing and I would have to kick him out. And then after a while we started to trust him and we say, yeah, you can just stay. 
until I start, we got, uh, uh, we ended up getting some, uh, security cameras installed. So I would watch and see like how long he's staying there. And it would be till like 11 or midnight sometimes. What? And this kid would be training hard the whole time. And his dad would just sit outside and wait on him. And I talked to his dad one day and I said, man, like you got to do something like, you know, he's going to get burned out. Like he's going to, um, he's got to do something else. He's going to get injured, right? Something. And his dad said his whole life, he's tried everything that he can. He said he literally buys him like Xboxes and Playstations. He's like, he's like, just play this game for a little bit. And the kid will just go out back and hit the bag. And, oh my God. I love it. I have the chills. Dude, that's such yeah. a, that's a dope, that's such, oh, so I've coached for my whole life, but 10 years of high school and, you know, had a lacrosse company after, I love coaching all my kids, but when I get the ones that just bleed it and they just want to learn so bad and they're just in it and they, they're happy to be there, it is the best thing in the world as a coach. Like, does this guy bring you soul fuel as a coach and a gym owner? Oh God, yes. Yeah, that's, you know, he's one of those kids that, you know, when, well, like during COVID, for instance, and, you know, some people agree, disagree, whatever, but I was like, I'm not fucking shutting down. Like <laughs> we have to, this is the kind of kid that has to have yeah, this, yeah. you know, I think I shut down like two or three days or something. Cause I was like, dude, zombie apocalypse, we're going to die. And I was <laughs> like, well, this is, but then I would get, you know, calls from uh, not him specifically, but you know, people like him and they're like, bro, like my mental health relies on this, man. What am yeah. I going to do? And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, bro, like I, I didn't know that it was like that. So, um, I said, I'm not fucking shutting down. We hung banners over the windows and, you know, yeah. kept it on and, and, and kept these kids, um, <clears throat> kept their, their mental health in check. That's so awesome. I mean, these are all just metaphors. I think the running theme of this convo unintentionally so will be like, never judge a book by its cover because you just never know. Mm -hmm what's truly going on, what skills people have, what they don't have. Uh, if they look a certain way, it's all kind of like you got to just get more intel to really evaluate the situation and then make your own choices, whether it's, you know, COVID in a gym, working with a specific athlete, not fighting somebody on the street. Like you just got to get the intel and of, of what's going on. I do. I will say as a 42 athlete, 42 year old athlete are still trying to be like you. Oh, yeah, yeah. You get smarter with your body because it's because it takes longer to recover and everything else. But it, 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 you get smarter with your brain too because you get so much more emotionally attached. I think to your decisions. Um, I am curious, how are you hanging in it at forty two? Like, what are you doing with your body to like keep it in shape and just and not get burned out yourself? I'll tell you, the number one thing that has probably helped my body more than anything else is I do tons of sauna work now. Okay. Like just, just infrared sauna or what? So infrared is not a sauna. That's, oh, okay. The, that's, I hate that they even call it a sauna because it's not a sauna. Uh, lay, lay down the truth here. Let's give it to us. Yeah. Uh, you know, a hot sauna is a sauna, right? Like, um, so I like, if you get a really good sauna, you know, you have the, I think it's called a I don't know exactly how to say it, but like we put the water on. Yeah. Like uh, the, the OG rocks. saunas. Yes, like it's for me, it's the best thing I've ever done for my body. Um, I do it usually three to four times a week at least. And uh, I've gotten really good at it. We go really hard. Like my guys come over and they're like, my God, man, like your recovery is harder than a workout, you know? <laughs> and we, oh, oh. Uh, so you like stay in it for a long time or like what is yeah. the actual hard part? And is it like super, super hot? Like is there a temperature you stick to? Yeah, I usually go above 190. Oh, okay. And then, and then from there, I don't, um, 
I don't even look at the temperature as long as it's above 190. Because once I pour the water on, like it'll get really, really hot. Like the steam, like I pour tons and tons of water on it. Um, but I do stretching in there. I do um, a lot of stuff for my back because that's been my biggest bane of my existence has been my back. I have a, a terrible uh, spine. Um, but it helps. It's helped a ton. So I do like yoga in there, all these different things. Um, and of course, like, you know, I do all the, the, uh, regular stuff, you know, rolling out and, uh, I do a lot of FRC. I think that's a great thing. Um, you know, lacrosse balls, massage guns. Yeah. I have a massage chair in my living room. Um, I get real massages. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like none of it to me compares to the regular sauna work that I do. Like that mm-hmm. has been absolute game changer for me. When did you start that? probably like regularly like a less than a year ago oh damn. well so much has changed in like the recovery space in the past 20 years Mm -hmm. like it's the only reason i knew a lot about recovery stuff was because of crossfit and people in crossfit have money so they'll spend for anything so everybody markets like the high-end human optimization stuff to us and uh and then my my work kind of went that way but i didn't like collegiate lacrosse competing at the games we didn't really have a lot of this stuff until i was way later in life um which i'm grateful to have it now how do you feel about like cold tubs do you do contrast or anything or is it just straight up heat so i do the contrast uh fairly regularly but i don't actually think the ice does much of anything for me okay um, I, i've done well, well remember muscle farm they used to have a cold <laughs> oh, yeah. tub there right like they had the yeah. cold tub so I got so good at that cold tub because I lived like two minutes from the facility there. And oh, I, I didn't know that. I, yeah. So I would go in that cold tub every day. I had a uh, key to the facility. I would go in there every day. I built up to um, the cold tub was around 40 to 43 degrees. And I was sitting there for 20, 25 minutes Ooh. at a time. Okay. Like, it, I got to the point where I wasn't even miserable anymore. I was just sitting there and chill like Wim fucking Hoff. Yeah. But, I didn't, I didn't feel a single difference in my joints and my muscles and nothing. Right. So, so I'm not a, as nearly as big of a believer on the cold as I am the hot. Now, maybe there's something happening that I don't know about, right? Like I'm not a scientist. I don't know, but you know, there's, there hasn't been a ton of research on it either. I don't think, but so maybe there's some things happening, but um, the hot, like I know for a fact, like I sleep better. That's the other part that I would add um, for my recovery. Everybody talks about recovery, this, recovery, that. And from my experience, from what I've seen, when I ask them about their sleep, they don't have a real sleep routine, sleep patterns, right? So for me, the um, the sauna would be for more for like the joints and the movement ability mm-hmm. and, you know, a couple other benefits too. Um, but the sleep is the true recovery and the sauna has helped the sleep a uh, shit ton too. So I, I have a sauna outside that I use um, almost every night before I go to sleep. And nice. And now I have an entire sleep routine. So I have like blacked out windows. I have a really nice mattress. Um, I have, I make sure the room's nice and cold. Um, I have exact time that I go to sleep. I have a routine before I put the phone um, downstairs, you know, come upstairs at the specific time wake up at a specific time, which is really just natural. Now I don't even have to have any alarms or anything, um, you know, read for a certain time, you know, do all these little different things. Yeah. And, uh, that, those two things have helped my recovery more than anything else. 
I, I completely believe that. I So also not a doctor or scientist, but I would say just like nutrition and everything else, everyone's always got a prescription, but I think every human's different. And if ice works for you or if heat works for you, I really would just tell for people, like, try it all. You got to see what works specifically yeah. for your situation because ice baths actually worked really well for me, but heat does work. But I do that more pre-workout. So do you train like fuel and uh, then sauna? So you're doing it backwards, actually. Yeah, well, if I'm not doing is... a sauna. I'll just do like heat pads or even like my car seat heaters if I'm late to the Pre-workout, gym. Pre-workout, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So even even that would be still. It, it's very funny, and I I just learned this recently. My friend is an expert, and he does these retreats and teaches okay. all over the country. He's a, a former NFL player, um, but he teaches on sauna, ice bath, and breath work, right? And I never knew this, but actually, pre-workout you should do cold. Oh, okay. Right. It, it sounds counterintuitive, right? But the reason behind it is because now your body is going to try to heat itself back up. So when you go, and also it's going to release some dopamine and uh, norepinephrine or, or whatever all that stuff's called, you know, all the stimulating hormones in your brain. Right. I guess they're hormones. I don't know. I'm not a scientist <laughs> at all. But, we got you. But you get the point, right? So it releases all these things and your body's trying to heat up naturally. So when you actually start to warm up, your body's going to heat itself up much quicker and more efficiently, and it prepares the body for that. So the protocol now, like that he suggests and most uh, high-level like professors and stuff that I talk to suggest, is in the morning or pre-workout, you do the ice, and then post-workout, you actually do the sauna, and that's going to start, um, uh, what do they call it? Um bringing you down like deregulating yeah and yeah do some breath work with it to help you uh, deregulate while still pumping blood to all your muscles and opening your veins and arteries and everything so that you actually recover quickly quicker for the next session see i i think and that it, makes complete sense do you train in the morning or in the night both or, or bo- oh, so you're just still doing you're still doing two days oh yeah i do two days probably yes, sir um I, I i measured it for a couple years around 300 days a year Oh my God. That okay. So I usually train in the morning. I've heard the cold showers. I have a host of friends that like bought freezers from Costco and do the ice bath in the morning. And now you can buy super expensive ones on Instagram. Um sometimes I'll do the cold shower, but usually it's I'm just going with the temperature of the outside. I'll I'll try that though. Uh massive advocate for everything you just said about sleep. I think people don't realize that sometimes the solutions are within our fingertips. It doesn't even take a lot. It's just like yeah. some lifestyle habits that can really help. Um, but I am curious, tell me about the nutrition, because that is like another massive variable. You don't have to go into the weeds on this. Uh, but mm-hmm. has that changed over the years as you've learned about your body or age or anything like that? Because I do think that's another key piece of if, if, whether you're competing to train or training to compete or not, just lifestyle, the nutrition piece is really big. You know, it hasn't changed a lot over the years. Uh, okay. I've always been extremely simple with my diet. And I think it's the most uh, simplest thing ever that people overcomplicate so damn much that it drives me up the wall when people ask me oh what should i be the um i eat rice and chicken uh um uh, well rice and protein at almost every meal okay no vegetables um and vegetables i'm sorry okay Um, usually i only eat vegetables once a day because to be honest i'm kind of like kid and i don't like vegetables so um (laughs) i i prefer you know more vitamins from fruits you know i just like fruits more so okay. um but the the staple of every single meal is rice and protein um in the morning it's rice and eggs in the afternoon usually like rice and chicken in the evening um i've actually become a huge fan of tofu which is kind of oh, silly okay. but, 
but I, I like rice and uh, beef in the evenings usually the most. Um, but you know, any protein, right? Like, you know, throw whatever tastes good to you in there, put some freaking good sauce on it and you got a simple meal. And I've been, I, I guess that I, I've just been blessed where, you know, I'm a simple person and just don't care. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not like craving for spaghetti one night or, or steak dinners and mashed potatoes. Like I'm very, very happy and content with rice and chicken. And then when it comes to like, uh, um, if I go on vacation or if I'm uh, post fight for a couple weeks, uh, like if I relax, right. If I relax my diet for a while, then I don't even think about it. Right. Because I yeah. know that I have that staple, that base that I'm easily going to go back to and I'm going to enjoy it and love it. So when I relax, I'll eat whatever the hell I want. You know, I'll eat burgers, yeah. ice cream. Um, but it's easy when you, when you stay on that, you know, the vast majority of the time, like 90% of the time people call it dieting. I'm not dieting. I'm just eating the way that I like to eat. Yeah. You got to fuel the machine. I agree with that. I even, you know, again, CrossFitters, we can get way into the weeds on macros and change your shoes yeah. to be a better athlete and all the things. And uh, being a longtime athlete, I never really bought into it. I ne even go to the games. I never did macros. I did it last year just to see, just because I was playing with some systems. I was toying with the idea of trying to do masters again and see what I could manipulate to be better. And I did actually like it just for the time being. And it was kind of cool to see some data and just some changes. But long term, my personality just doesn't fit like that. I'm kind of like you, or if I just know what I normally do and then if I have my free time I have my free time I it's hard for me to be super structured um but it was cool to at least try it and see uh what did but you I, try? just counting my macros and doing different percentages oh, and like it. yeah counting them and like weighing my food and doing that which if you knew me well that is so not my personality to like bust out a scale and you know weigh my chicken and that's just not what it is um but it was kind of cool to manipulate the data test my body fat see what it was but certainly not long term but I, yeah. you know, I, I would suggest for anyone, if you're curious, try it, see how it is. But I would say for anyone, know that none of that super stringent, hardcore, you know, lifestyle is really doable for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I deal with a lot of people that come into my gym that you know, maybe they are overweight or maybe they do have eating issues and these things. And then I don't say, I don't say to them, just eat rice and chicken, motherfucker, right? right? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so uh, but what I do teach them is like, you know, you don't have to pick a diet, so to speak, because all these diets, you know, I've tried a lot of different diets. I actually did keto for um, okay. uh, almost two years, like full keto. And I fought on it a few times um, and then come find out, you know, there's a lot of problems with that. Right. Yeah. I, got knocked, I got knocked out in my, the one time in my life I've been knocked out. And so do you feel like I your could, energy was lower? Like you're more lethargic? Like what was what was no, the vibe felt, with it? I felt great 90% of the time. Um, but what I found was in, in the fights around the third round, then I would start getting lethargic and slow and just didn't have that last little juice. And I coincidentally got knocked out in the third round. So it's the only yeah. time I've been knocked out in my life. So, um, you know, not making excuses and, you know, not saying that that's necessarily what it was. Like he was a good fighter. So, you know, it is what it is. So when, anyway, when I tell the, the guys that come in, I say, what you need to pick is what is going to be sustainable. Like don't do a diet like pick a diet that you can, that you're going to do for um, six months or a year, pick something you can do 20 years from now Yeah, and, and build something out. Um, actually, you know, I have a nutritionist, um, I have a nutrition company called a moral, a moral diet optimization, which is kind of 
kicked off and kind of building up little by little working with fighters mainly but um and and that's what we tell them all it's like pick what you can sustain like that's what is far more important than uh crashing down you know 10 15 20 pounds or something is can you maintain this uh happiness of of, uh, of lifestyle 20 years from now 30 years from now you know when you're in a nursing home like can you still be eating the same diet yeah and i know most people can't do that with rice and chicken that's why i don't tell them that right so <laughs> i will i will be able to do that personally right how do you how do you like what's good advice for uh parents with kids because then you know kids start eating like rice crispy treats and cheerios and i have dogs i don't have kids so i don't have to fully deal with this but i hear this in the gym all the time well my kid was eating mac and cheese like how do you handle that with your crew well that that kind of gets deep into the weeds of a lot of things. I think that's a lack of parenting to begin with. And I would, I would start with, you know, <clears throat> it it always starts with, with this. And I, I've had people ask me these exact questions like, hey, yeah, man, my, you know, my kid won't listen to me. You know, I'm telling him he's <laughs> like this. And, and usually it's, you know, some fat slob telling me this and I'm, I'm like, look at yourself, motherfucker. Would you listen to you? Like yeah. you need to build yourself to the person that your kids will aspire to be. If you are not that, then why would they listen to you? Yeah. So how about you take care of your damn self first and then you tell your kids what to do. And when they see that you are, you are now a, a powerful uh, a presence in the household, they will listen. Yeah. And then, and then to, to go beyond that, then it comes into, you know, again, so you have to be strong yourself to show up for your kids. And then you can't be a lazy parent. The lazy parents give them mac and cheese. Like, mm -hmm. why is, okay, you're going to complain about your kid eating mac and cheese. Why do you have mac and cheese an option available to them? Like my kids know when they come to my house, like I'm divorced. So they, you know, when they go to their moms, they have a completely different situation, but they know when they come to my house, they have these options and that's it. Yeah. And you know, that's what they fucking eat, you know? And it's like, dude, if you want to go be a, a soft fat kid, you can do it somewhere else. In my house, you're going to eat the way that you should be eating. And that doesn't mean I don't take them out for ice cream. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I, we don't enjoy our lives and, you know, I'm like force feeding them or anything. Chicken but, and rice in the sauna right now. <laughs> <laughs> my kids love chicken and rice and they love the sauna. So, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe I'm a little lucky on that, but, it, but, but, I, you know, well, I say maybe I'm lucky, but I also think it's because of the culture that I've uh, raised them around. Like this is what they know at my house. This is what the, this is what they have, they expect. And they know like, you know, you don't mess with dad and, and dad's going to bring healthy food and that's going to be our option. And yeah. he, they, and they know that if they do the right things, they will get rewarded with more fun things. I love it. So, so yeah. So to finish with that, it's like, you know, these people, it's a, it's a, such a, a terrible cultural thing you know that they the way that we are raising our kids these days and i could go on long rants about that it's absolute travesty what we're doing to these kids 
I could not agree more. And this is why I started Turmeric and Tequila, the podcast, not about food, not about drink, uh, just about questioning a better way and, and the juxtaposition of being all things and kind of doing your own path. But mostly it's about letting go of what you're supposed to do and start taking personal responsibility for yourself and mm-hmm. being someone that, you know, our marketing and branding, everything is influencers now. And it's not just about naked people on Instagram. It's about finding leaders to align with companies or voices or causes that they believe in. And collectively we can, you know, share what we're passionate about. But the caveat with that is my job was to find leaders like yourself that were authentically showing up in life outside of the marketing agenda or whatever it was, because I knew first and foremost, coaching all these years, young kiddos, how impressionable they were and my own personal responsibilities. If I don't find good humans really telling the truth and holding themselves accountable, it doesn't matter how I coach them or what I say or what I do or how we can paint this pretty picture marketing wise or life wise. It's you got to find the ones that get the joke that it's about personal responsibility first and then everything else and coaching young girls and parents that never played women's lacrosse was hard i would just gracefully say bottom line attitude reflects leadership so if you're not stepping through as a leader like you're going to get the shitty attitude um and not being a parent that landed sometimes and sometimes it didn't uh but you know it is what it is do do parents and stuff resist on your straightforwardness or like laying it down or they like do they get the joke on what you're saying oh totally um, yeah they, uh, they resist on it yeah uh, they okay. don't all get it there there's some that resists, but you know, owning a martial arts gym, um, you see some of the worst of the worst, to be honest, like they, and it's a, a big problem that we have all the time that we always have to deal with is that they bring their kids in a lot of them, very undisciplined, very bad yeah. kids. And they bring them to us to fix their kid. Yeah. And, um, it was something, you know, when I first started teaching kids classes at my gym, um, which I, I do sometimes now and not all the time, but when I first started teaching, um, it actually helped me be a better parent too, because realizing um, here's what happens is class starts. And then, you know, these kids are good for a minute and then they start acting up little by little. Right. And then you see a lot of kids, coaches, you know, either start yelling at them or getting frustrated, you know, a, a lot of different bad things can happen. Right. And the first thing I tell all of my kids coaches is when your class starts acting up, what you all, what, what the, the, the natural reaction to do is to point the finger at them and tell them to, uh, you know, stop doing whatever they're doing. What you need to do is point the finger at yourself and say, what am I doing to allow this to happen? And, and why, and, and, and create this environment. I'm the leader. I'm the one that created this. Yep. And I think that's something that parents should think about too. Right. If your kid's acting out, if he's being bad, he's undisciplined or not following instructions, you have to look internally and say, why is the kid doing that? Why is this being, why does he feel like comfortable to be doing this? And and I think that's where it all starts. And that's, um, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's just where everything starts. Everything is within. So. I agree. Well, the the funny thing is we hear so much about kids in social media, which again, another piece I'm passionate about because there's a lot of trash out there, but there's also a lot of upside. But my thing is always like, I try and tell parents or people you know, that I'm, you know, my friends that have kids, I'm like, you got to understand you are your kid's first influencer. So if like, if you're worried about social media and what they're doing, they're drinking in and absorbing their environment and your behavior every single day. Even the stuff you think they're not picking up, like don't worry about, about you know, said influencer that's naked saying X, Y, Z, like give her to the phone or do what you got to do. But like you 
you got to remember, like you're you're in that role first. You're the one that they're modeling. Thousand percent. This is what, yeah. exactly what I was just talking about before, about you have to show up for your kid. And th- I, I just did a newsletter about this recently. I, I put out this weekly newsletter, and and what I talked about was, um, oh, kind of lost my train of thought. The um, fighting is known as a selfish sport. All the fighters say, oh, it's a selfish sport, right? They, they always say this. And I said, no, it's not a selfish sport. Selfish people are selfish. Those that take care of themselves first, that doesn't make you selfish. As long as you're using that in a positive manner to show up every day for your kids, right? Yeah. We have, as fighters, as athletes, even you know, as CrossFitters, whatever it is, like you have a unique ability to strengthen yourself, but why are you strengthening yourself? Why do all this? If it's not to show up for your kids, then, then you are doing it selfishly. You mm-hmm. should be doing it specifically to show up for your goddamn kids. The, the key, the, the, the meaning of, to, of life, in my opinion, is to give, right? Yeah. That's, and that's what that's what we're on the planet for just you know my opinion everybody's got their own meanings whatever but so building myself up to be able to give more is not a selfish thing completely agree it's yeah my terminology just to be useful there's this great quote by benjamin franklin says i'd rather be said that he lived usefully than died rich and it's because it, it for some reason that rung to me as like a high school student because i because i don't think there's any even if you have the money or whatever you're you know a leader with appointed leadership there's, it doesn't really matter you don't feel that purpose and that uh usefulness if you're not giving serving doing something that's bigger than yourself and the irony of just what you just said and i agree with is that that starts with you you have have to start it with you or is yeah. that that first step does nothing else works after that if you're not taking care of of the leader like it's got to start there that's a great quote because the um there's a lot of rich people that are not useful 100 percent. in fact they're <laughs> right? destructive yeah they're, they're they're taking us in the wrong direction and ironically they have the platform the power and all this other we, we don't even have to go down that podcast hole but but yeah but but i on the flip side though i do think there's a lot of unsung heroes like your professional career and the accolades and all the things you accomplished but then that daily thing where you're working with 10 20 kids or one parent that has five kids or and this is why i believe in influencers not because of marketing be just because of like the unrecognized power on the dailies that if you're walking in in honorable path through life so many more people are watching than you even know if you have zero followers whatever the way you walk to work the way you go to school the way you eat your breakfast like your kids probably listen to you and follow your nutrition things not because you're saying eating chicken rice because they see dad eating chicken rice and getting in the sauna and and, and so it's just a lot of talking but really like this behavior uh i I think speaks so much more loudly than all the things we can tell our young people or, or parents or whatever to do yeah, that's exactly it. Kids do what we do, not what we tell them to do, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, on that note, tell me, because I want I want our athletes. I love that, you know, you're a young kiddo figuring out a path. You get this opportunity to fight. It happens professionally. You have extraordinary success, family, the businesses. But, you, you know, you can't fight forever. And I hate when people say that to me. You can't keep compete forever. So I'm not telling you that. But I'm just saying on the flip side of that, you can build a base of business to um, be an entrepreneur, continue to be a leader. Tell me about some of the businesses and the things you're passionate about that maybe you did or didn't think of growing up that now you're leading. Oh God, where do I even start with that? I mean, the gym is the obvious one, right? Like, you know, building this gym ever since I ever started training, like I always had this idea that I wanted to own a gym. I wanted to, um, 
you know, I wanted my own spot. Right. But as I, um, developed, you know, throughout my career, my life, and especially after opening the gym, my motivations behind it changed, you know, 180 degrees, right. Originally, you know, it was about, you know, I want to have other fighters, you know, I don't want to have my spot, you know, everybody come to me. And it was, I think it was really like more of a ego booster thing, right. To have my own gym, have my name on the wall, you know, put up my posters and all this shit. And then, it wasn't very long after when um, COVID happened, right? And we shut down. And that was when I actually discovered how powerful all of this is. You know, I had, for instance, you know, had people um, offering to pay my rent. They're like, uh, the way that our entire community at my gym came together. Um, and like we had just alluded to before with like some of the people talking about how powerful it was in their lives. Mm-hmm. It made me realize like what I'm doing you know, goes far beyond anything, uh, competition wise. So, so that was, that's the clear and obvious one that has been very powerful for me. And there's always a balance between like making it, uh, a Uber profitable business and making it something very community, small community driven. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm sure it's very similar in CrossFit. Like there's, there's just a balance there that you have to always kind of toe the line of both because we're not doing it for free either. Right. Like I'm trying to make a living doing this shit. Um, But I would say all the other businesses that I have, which there's really only two other main ones, which would be my real estate business with a, I do Airbnbs now and my coffee business Uh, between those two, I would have never ever dreamed of having either one of those. So you know, those, those aren't ones that are necessarily, um, as fulfilling as like having a gym where I get right. to meet people in person and see their growth in person or anything. Um, but they're, they're great businesses to have. And I would have never expected myself to own what I own or be doing what I do. So it's, <laughs> it's still a pretty cool thing. Uh, see, that's amazing. And I, and I think that sometimes again, in society, we're taught like, go for this goal, get the medal, get all the accolades. And it's fulfilling to a point. And I, I was certainly never on a stage you were, but have some medals, have some accomplishments, but then coaching and seeing my kiddo score a goal or, you know, this little in between, or you really see life changes in young people or maybe older people, whatever, like that's the stuff that's really weaving the meaning in my life. And it's, yeah. it's not apparent. There's no award for it. Most people don't even notice, like there's no accolade, uh, there's nothing but personal satisfaction and yet it's more than enough. And I don't, I don't, I don't think I got that until way later in life. And I kind of wish our kids would get that as they chase some of these big goals and these like, you know, revenue points or mile markers, uh, that, you know, enjoy the journey, but look for the rewards along the way that aren't really like touted or celebrated or anything else. Yeah. And I don't know if they do this in CrossFit or any other sports, but in martial arts, one of the things that, you know, we've been, uh, open for five years. So we only have, you know, maybe five to 10 like OGs that have been there like the whole time, right? Since okay. I first opened. And so we just recently started doing where, you know, what, what the martial arts is all about is, is giving back, right? So these guys that have been there that long, I'm like, it's time you guys have grown enough now. It's now your time. You have to start teaching others or else your martial arts journey doesn't mean anything from here forward like your skills and your uh, a level is high enough now 
that for you to progress any farther, we have to see you, um, your ability to teach us to others or else it's all meaningless. So, <clears throat> pass you know, it on. yeah. So to your point, that's kind of, um, I think martial arts again is just such a, a powerful thing in that sense. Like that's what we teach them to do is, you know, once you reach a certain level to get to the next level, you have to be passing it on. That's awesome. We don't have anything formal like that. You can get your level one in, in, uh, in CrossFit. Lacrosse, I, I was a coach because that's just how I made money on the side being in college and then afterwards. Um, but I actually oh, felt like... Lacrosse? What's that? There's money in lacrosse? I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> there's more or less. The funny thing is it's yeah. like all rich white kids in lacrosse growing up. It's like private schools, whatever. I was lucky my public school had it. It's diversified slightly. And then fast forward, I somehow got into CrossFit and it's all more rich, rich white people. So it was nice <laughs> that I did marketing and branding and it like both ones love. It's like cult-like community. And I say I, I love both. I bleed both. Um, But I'm also passionate about diversifying everything. So long story short, there's money-ish. Nothing like, you know, uh-huh. UFC TV revenue or anything like that but um there's some cult like underground following some brands that have done pretty well uh there's not nearly as much money in the ufc as people think you know like anybody anybody that follows the sport knows like like we're all underpaid like we don't this is not a career path to choose yeah um the amount of I, I i tell this to people all the time like if if i put this much time energy sacrifice dedication into anything else in the world like like i could have started at mcdonald's and if i put this kind of passion into it i'd be the fucking ceo of mcdonald's today yeah you know i'd be making millions of dollars but you know this one thing it's like you know i still love it but you know the roi is just simply not there i i totally hear that identify strongly and Sometimes the ROI doesn't fucking matter. You can be the CEO of McDonald's out of shape, eating McDonald's so outside of your core values and your authentic path that it would be like cancer. Like it'd be so off that you wouldn't have enough money to buy your path back to restart where you should have and stayed in it. Um, and just, no, that's exactly right. Tony Robbins had the best uh, speech about this I ever heard in my life. And that's the difference between success and fulfillment. And, and it's it's so powerful. And he used Robin Williams as the example where he was like, you know, this guy had everything you could ever imagine in the world. He had all the success ever. And what did he do? He killed himself because he didn't have any fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And I, I and again, that's why I'm glad we have conversations like this. So our kiddos have more access to these heavier conversations earlier because I do think they're exposed to so much. But also the flip side of social media or podcasts or whatever is that there's real people talking about real things and you can start to have this awareness so much earlier so you can stay on path or you can not, you know, be pulled to a direction or doing the shit you think you're supposed to be doing and an X, Y, Z. Um, but I don't know. I couldn't agree with you more. I want to be mindful of our time. I always have a million more questions for my varsity humans, but hit us with any, uh, good words of advice. You've dropped some real gems this whole time, but any like parting words or good words of advice or a story or anything you'd want to share uh, with anyone out there, but particular young up and comers. You know, the, usually like the first thing I always tell to any one, uh, whether they want to be a fighter, whether they want to be an athlete, whether it's a kid, um, if I just have like one piece of advice to give to all of them is I think I said it earlier, everything is within like <clears throat> anytime you look externally for fulfillment, your life is going to be tough. So find that peace within, build yourself, you know, whatever that takes, whatever uh, path um, you need to do that to build the internal power 
everything on the outside will take care of itself. Control what you can control and allow everything else to fall into place. And it will. And you'll have a great life that way. There you go. If I had a dollar for every time I tried to control something I couldn't control, I might be also that millionaire. But <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's, but we're, we're still learning. Uh, Matt, where do we find you? Hit us with Instagram handles, websites, companies you want people to look up, anything you want us to know. Oh, yeah, I do got social media, I guess. Um, I, I'm the Immortal Twitter, Instagram, at the Immortal Coffee for the best coffee you've ever had. We, Boom. We say make excuses, not coffee. Or make coffee, not excuses. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. We got you. Messing up the slogan there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah. There you go. Bring in the truth. Be immortal. I appreciate you. You're such a, I mean, you're a great athlete, but you're such a good human. Uh, I was, I was such a pleasure working with you professionally, but it's even more cool to see people have crossed paths with, paths with along the way, go from athletes to entrepreneurs, to coaches, to leaders, to, um, you know, wearing all these hats, but still just like being really intentional about positive impact. So I see you and I appreciate you. And I really, I thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. Let's chat again soon. Anytime. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.